Hi, I'm Daniel Budai, and this is the Ecom Show, a podcast where you can learn more about the world of high-performing e-commerce players and marketers. The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. Let's grow your e-commerce business together. So my name is Nick Andres. I'm one of the founders of Stacked SEM. That's an e-commerce supply chain business. And I started in e-commerce about 10 years ago. Um, started out uh, selling on eBay and Amazon and eventually transitioned into Facebook ads and Teespring. If you guys have heard of that. Um, and then from there, moved into running Shopify stores. Um, started my first Shopify store around five, six years ago. Now, during that journey, ran into quite a bit of issues with fulfillment and supply chain. Once we started doing seven figure months, constantly we were having supply chains break and it was costing us six figures on a regular basis. So about two years ago, uh, me and Christy decided to found Stacked SEM along with our other partner, Ian, who couldn't make it today. Amazing. Um, and Christy? Yeah, my name, yeah, my name is Nick Christie. I, I go by Christie with a lot of people. Um, similar to Nick, I got my start about eight years ago when I was a junior in college. Right now I'm 27. Um, basically, I started off doing eBay and Amazon and went really, really hard into Amazon for about four years there. I was doing a lot of drop shipping through the automotive industry and the motorcycle industry. Mm -hmm. I was selling after parts, like aftermarket parts and accessories. And basically from there... Um, I kind of actually met Nick when he was in college, one of the people that was working for him, me and him had a common connection. I went up and, and met Nick and then me and him kind of started doing e-commerce together through Shopify stores and Facebook and Instagram and Google advertising. Um, basically kind of what he said, we together went through a lot of ups and downs in the supply chain industry to say the least, especially me coming from Amazon. There's a lot of Amazon's definitely changing the way the world works, especially with e-commerce in terms of just drop shipping off China, you know, gets there in three to six weeks and Amazon's getting it there in 12 hours. So a lot of things yeah. have changed and, and that's kind of um, what started a lot of this for me and Nick. Yeah. And since, since when you've been working together? How um, yeah. So we actually became roommates about three years ago. We got around uh, 14 other e-commerce sellers and we convinced a venture capitalist to let us move into his estate. So uh, it was essentially an e-commerce house we were running there. Um, Christy was one of the other co-founders of the place. And um, we started working about nine months into that together on this fulfillment center. Um, so previously we'd been helping each other with ads, with Shopify stores, but he was running his stores. I was running mine and we would just collaborate. And then after we both ran into several issues, uh, we had a horrible um, experience at one of the major fulfillment providers. Uh, we ran a sale. It did about one and a half million dollars in five weeks. And uh, we should have actualized around $400,000 of profit, but our fulfillment uh, solution cost us around 250000 of that. So for us, that was a huge wake-up call, and we were like, okay, enough's enough, and we need to come up with a solution to this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, this would be the one of the main topics today, fulfillment and also manufacturing. So 
<clears throat> and I talk with so many e-commerce people and, uh, and, you know, we can see the courses, we can see the mentors, gurus, and all of them, they uh, talk about uh, Facebook ads, setting up a Shopify store. You can scale that, scale that up quickly, but uh, they don't talk much about the backend. Like, uh, okay, it's cool, but you should deliver those products and uh, you should have a good uh, customer experience and all of these things. It's, it's very, it's really ignored. I think probably because it's just not as cool than Facebook ads. I don't know, but this is what I can see. Um, and you also have a small mastermind, right? If I, if I know in Colorado or, or it's, I guess it's international, but sometimes you have <clears throat> um, live events there, right? Yes, we do. Um, so I'm at our syndicate house right now. That's in the Rocky Mountains here in Colorado. And we bring in e-commerce sellers. There's a few guys living here full time right now. Uh, and then we have our network, um, all guys that we originally lived with a few years ago. Um, and we've been slowly adding new members in that we think can help our community here. But uh, it's a tight knit mastermind group. Uh, some people live here full time. And then we also host events a few times a year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, amazing. Um, so <clears throat> let me ask the questions of the audience. Well, they asked, so <clears throat> one of the first questions was uh, <clears throat> when you achieved those sales numbers, and I remember a screenshot from, I think, two years ago, I could see it in Ecom Empires, and I think that was the moment when I contacted you after that. Uh, you achieved almost 300,000 a day. And uh, yeah, so what, what, our, what, what uh, our audience asked is uh, what channels did you use uh, to achieve those numbers? Facebook ads, something else, or it was a mix? Yeah, um, so that was Facebook, Instagram, the audience network. We were using a display network, mm -hmm. uh, doing Google retargeting, and then extensive email remarketing. Yeah. Can you tell us more about the email marketing side? I'm really curious about that. Sure. Um, so with that sale, we were running a huge liquidation sale. Uh, we were closing out a bunch of products we had. And over the years, we accumulated some very large email lists, things like free plus shipping, just running sales for several years. So uh, we had around a million emails that we ran through the sequence. They generated, I wanted to say, around. 300,000 of revenue or so. Uh, and that was pretty high margin. Um, ended up being essentially all we made from the sale because of the supply chain issues that happened that burned through most of our Facebook profits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Have you used any SMS or Messenger? Yeah, yeah, we've done, we've done a lot of SMS and Messenger. And actually recently we've been um, adding that to our abandoned cart sequence. And we've been finding that has as much as five to 10 times the um, return um, just in terms of people clicking into it and buying ones for abandoned carts. So we've been using a lot of SMS, I would say in the past year and a half, a lot more than we were the previous year and a half. Mm -hmm. And that's basically just, you know, slowly, slowly adding things to the uh, sales funnel there. Yeah. And messenger marketing. So yeah, we went back. I guess this is 
maybe two and a half years ago, you could actually run into people's uh, DMs a lot easier, as most of your audience knows, than you can right now. So back then, we were actually blasting yeah. into the yeah. into the DMs a ton. Yeah, yeah, we, yeah, we were doing that a ton. Um, as of as of now, obviously, it's a lot different of a game plan, and we have different businesses that are doing more in depth in terms of S our 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 uh, clients' businesses that are doing more in terms of SMS than uh, straight DMs right now. But we do have some people that um, will do the reverse there and say that they like the DMs still a lot yeah. more. And, and basically the open rates for those two, it, it's just insane compared to email. So yeah. when you're lucky, lucky to get 25, 30% opens in email. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. And last year we started combining these channels and with Ricard with Messenger Marketing, you can run uh, messenger ads. Um, people click that, they click the offer, which can be, you know, many different things. And then they will get the first message. Um, for example, join our contest today, give, I don't know, 20% off, something like that. They yeah. click the messenger ad and then uh, you can ask for their email address to enter the contest and then even their phone number to get more chance to win or something like that and then you got uh, you just got three contact uh, information and then uh, and then what we did uh, we of course we retargeted them with emails and, and messenger and sms as well later on and uh, yeah it just converts pretty well um so next question was, uh, this guy read the book One Thing, I'm sure. Uh, what was the one thing for you to scale up to this level? Um, mass product or, 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 uh, or just one product or uh, multiple markets, multiple countries or just one market, probably the US. So what was really needed? What, what do you think what was the one thing to scale up to this level? Yeah, so uh, we preach a lot winning through your supply chain. And that is what got us to doing those types of numbers. So we had a full collection of products. So on the front page, maybe I want to say it was around 16 we were showing. There were about three pages of products. Um, but with these products, we were custom manufacturing all of them. So we were coming in at about 30% under market value on those products. And that let us undercut our competition. Mm. Uh, additionally, they were viral products. Um, it was hot at that period of time. So when you combine a viral product with something that's 30% under market, you're going to start winning the Facebook auctions. And then once you start winning those auctions, you can start bullying your competition at the market. So you start yeah. outspending everyone in that niche. Um, and then, Essentially, that's what happened when we were doing about a quarter million a day in revenue. Uh, no one else could come into the space because we were spending so much money. Yeah. Could you see other people selling the same product? I'm almost sure. Yes. But uh, not yet. Okay. So the main difference wasn't the product, but more like the, the marketing and the pricing. Um, yeah. And the yep. offer. It's part of that. Okay. Yeah, it's a full package of how you're presenting everything together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, because, uh, you know, if there is a good product, I want to buy it. And if it's cheaper on Amazon, I will buy there. Or if it's cheaper somewhere else and I trust the store, then I will buy it there. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that, that's a great point. What's that, Christy? 
I was just saying that that's a really good point because that's kind of what separated us in some of these sales. And obviously the marketing end of it and knowing what's going on in Facebook in general, obviously is a big part of this. One thing that we preach is like once, once you're trying to get above these, you know, 20 K days into the 50 K days, hundred K days, 200 K days, uh, we like to start using um, big caps really wisely um, in our Facebook manager. So we'll big cap CBOs, ad set control. And basically what we like to do is double the, uh, cost per purchase. So say you have a $20 cost per purchase, I'll big cap that out to $40. And I'll kind of walk that up and walk it down throughout the day from maybe $38 all the way up to $44, just depending on the bid. And what we found when we were scaling these up was these ad sets get what we called stable after about 15 purchases. So anything after 15 purchases, if say the ROAS was at a 3.2, we really wouldn't see that dip below a 2.7, even if it had 180 purchases. So we would be rocking campaigns with thousands of purchases on the uh, CBO level and ad sets with uh, close to a thousand purchases in one day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you were more, so were, you are more in charge of Facebook ads or, or, or and, and Nick is, he's in charge in something else in the company or how it looks like or both of you um yeah we, we both are we like to consider that we can be interchangeable in most parts of the business there are some areas where nick has more strength and i have more strength and we usually are upfront with all of our customers being like ah this might be a, a question more for nick or he might say this might yeah. be a question more for christy but for the most part we like to think we are interchangeable in 90 percent of the business okay yeah that's amazing yeah yeah, yeah. um and yeah, uh, next question was, so when somebody achieves, you know, these, these numbers, uh, like even six figure a day, uh, what are those things what you should start caring about? I guess fulfillment for sure. Uh, but what are those things, you know, when you are smaller, you don't really have to care about, but once you get to this level, it becomes a problem. You, you scale your problems as well, I guess. So Yeah, you do. And that means on the fulfillment supply chain uh, side of things that, you know, what might have cost you a few hundred bucks at really low revenue. If you screw something up now, you're losing 50K here, 50K there. So actually had an instance, we were selling tapestries a few years back and I had to check the weather of um, a city in India to see if it was raining or not because they needed to hand dry them. So we were a few weeks behind schedule there. So every day we were losing maybe $5,000 and I needed the weather to turn halfway across the world. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Christy, do you have any, anything to mention? Yeah. So, I mean, obviously we preach winning through our supply chain because that's, that's kind of what we found has been the biggest challenge in all of these, all of these sales in general. But basically if you can get the right price at the right at the right point um, for these people in front of the right person, then we usually see a lot of success. So basically in, t in terms of just the supply chain end of things, if someone's gonna have 100,000 products coming into a warehouse, then that means they could have, let's just say 40,000 customers. Then we could see a scenario where maybe 1,000, 2,000 of those customers end up being the ones that get screwed over. Um, so we practice that that will never happen um, in our warehouse. So we want to make sure a lot of times we'll take over the supply chain, but also the fulfillment. So we, a lot of people just blend them together and just say back end. but we really like to differentiate them and be like, Hey, you need to have the right supply chain in order to get the right fulfillment lead time to ship, how long it'll take to get to your customer. So those two things are just, just extremely big in, in that instance. Yeah. 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 How about manufacturing? 
uh, if I remember well, you, can, you also deal with deal with that, not just full firma. So yeah, the supply chain too, we're talking everything from product development to the sourcing and the manufacturing of it. Um, so we leverage a network of manufacturers in five different countries. And for our clients, we're able to get aggregated volume. That's something that we started doing back when we were all living together. So we had around 10 sellers there or 10 different teams, around 14 people. And we came together to, uh, to negotiate aggregated pricing for all of us. So we saw a big advantage there. And it also gave us um, a lot of negotiating leverage with our manufacturers. So yeah, that's one big tip I would give the sellers is if you can get into a network where you can leverage each other's volume to negotiate better with manufacturers, uh, it's going to help you tenfold when it comes to your sourcing, your product manufacturing. And additionally, on the product development side of things, when we're looking for products that are capable of winning out on these social media platforms, yep. uh, we're going to look for stuff that's already selling well, and then we're going to tweak it and we're going to kind of invent our own variation of it so that it is unique. It is something people haven't seen before. Uh, and that's where we've seen quite a bit of success in the past. Pretty interesting. Uh... Yeah, I, I just talked with a guy about this a few days ago and uh, one of the takeaways what I learned from him is uh, just negotiate like crazy, especially with the Chinese. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, if they say the price, then always try to negotiate. And once you get a higher volume, then you are in a better position uh, for sure. And the other thing is uh, your network is your net worth. It sounds like that. <laughs> um, do you spend a lot of time to build your network and, uh, and just reaching out to different people and, you know, just talking to them and, uh, yeah, just, just building your network? Yeah, so uh, it's been much more recently. Uh, in the past, we reached really deep into our personal networks um, and found other guys interested and had some of the same goals that we did. Um, and then that's where we came together, where um, the guys coming together weren't necessarily already having a lot of success, but putting a bunch of bright people together in a room, we were able to solve problems much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The more brain, the better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We've, we've been networking a lot recently, especially um, at, at our incubator out in uh, Denver, Colorado. So like Nick was saying, a little more background. We have about six kids living there right now. Every single one of them, besides I think two, are doing e-commerce, and those two are actually doing just straight networking. So they're they're networking with people close in the Denver area, but then also outside of the area. And what we'll do is we'll have even if they're not clients, and we're just trying to network with people, we'll have them come over to the mansion, um, trying to hang out with us, talk e-commerce, get to, get to know us. We even have people that come in and actually rent out desks, so they'll come in and rent out a desk just to be in that environment um, as much as possible. So the networking is something that we're keep on growing our, our brand and, gr and growing our network because we're finding the more people we get in contact with, even if they don't become clients of, say, our fulfillment center or our sourcing agency, they might be able to provide some value down the line or right there with what they're doing at the time. And then we can provide value same. So sometimes it's just a value for value and just high level people talking on the phone is as yeah. is, is good as it gets. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So it sounds like it's very purposeful, but I guess it. It, before it wasn't i mean a few years ago you you just yeah, yeah now it became very purposeful uh, for you. uh 
Um, what do you think this year? Uh, what will be the main trends in e-commerce? Maybe I know every e-commerce guys and marketers, they try to find some uh, quick uh, hacks. So maybe if you know any. <laughs> um, yeah, like any, any, any great trends, what yeah. they should start doing or, or niches, what they should look into. Yeah, well, what we're seeing more and more right now is that Facebook's algorithm obviously is changing daily. So right now what we're seeing more is that they're going more towards the warm audience uh, per se. And even if you are just running towards your cold, if you look at your frequencies, they're going to be way up across the board uh, compared to what they were at before. So what we are kind of implementing more and more, not that we weren't doing this as much before, but this is more of like the, our strong strategy is what we're calling like the vortex method. So we're treating it as obviously top of the funnel, bottom of the funnel type stuff. But if we can get someone to come to our page, then immediately we get their email. We're having as high as 20% email grabs. We can get them in the back end sequence. So they're, they're seeing us and then they're getting retargeted on Facebook. They're seeing us there. Then we're following them around on Google. So we're kind of keeping them in this vortex a lot more than we used to. And Facebook's algorithm is going towards that. So that's why we brought our um, business model more towards that. So we have them, they're seeing our ad, they're getting our emails, they're getting our texts, they're getting followed around on Google. And eventually once they get to our uh, website or if they're not, then they're getting deals, they're getting alerts. So we, we really have made it towards the warm um, a lot more. Obviously the cold scale is, is harder and harder to achieve especially in 2021 right now. Yeah. So, so yeah, that's one of our big strategies we've been rolling with right now. Mm -hmm. Okay, thanks for sharing. Yep. Uh, another trend uh, we've been following over the last couple of years is Facebook is trying to compete with Amazon in a sense where mm -hmm. I think we're going to notice over time, the longer shipping times are going to continue to get squeezed out. So what used to be acceptable two years ago that you could scale with, uh, your account will get banned much, much faster now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I remember when I started out like a bit more than two years ago, many guys told me in the calls that, uh, yeah, we are shipping from China two, three weeks, four weeks, yeah. our delivery time. And now it's pretty, it's rare. Uh, yeah, it happens. There are some audiences like older women, they, uh, that we have a client who um, sells uh, shoes, orthopedic shoes to old women, very specific audience. And uh, their delivery is like three weeks. Um, and the buyers, they don't care about it. They, you know, old people. But uh, if you sell, I don't know, a skincare product, which is not crazy expensive to young women, I think they will get mad if they have to wait uh, three weeks. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And like, that's the thing with the Facebook page score right now, you might even, I think you can set it as high as eight weeks shipping time. Mm -hmm. um, but again, they're going to be asking people throughout that buying process and people are not going to be happy if they're waiting eight weeks. Even if you tell them on the Facebook page, that's how long you're waiting. We're finding a lot of people will be cruising at like a four, one page score. And then all of a sudden it just drops right off and they're at a one nine. And, and basically the, the hardest thing to do with that is be like, okay, well, let, let's identify the problem. Nine out of 10 times it's supply chain and fulfillment problems that they're having. And that's when we come over here. And one of the big things we preach is like keeping that page score intact, because that's basically a lot of times like what runs these businesses. Like if you don't have a good page score, you won't be able to advertise, get the good cheap CPM because Facebook again, their algorithm's changing so much that they're trying to get their best buyers into the best websites possible. So if they see you have a bad page score, 
bad ad score or anything like that. They're just not going to send you their best customers. Yeah, yeah, totally makes sense. And how about Amazon? What do you think about Amazon? Last year, we had, a, I think, two clients who were over a million a month on Amazon. And uh, they started their Shopify store and they, have, they had to shut it down. Uh, they realized it's completely different. And uh, yeah, they just couldn't make it profitable after long months. And yeah, they just stayed on Amazon. Um, mm -hmm. What do you yeah, think? So, yeah. so I, I came from Amazon, like I said. So yeah. before I was doing all Amazon for years and years and years. So I would do seller fulfilled prime or I would do regular prime or I would just do regular selling. And basically the key to Amazon is just getting into the buy box, right? So you want to be able to get into the buy box and then Amazon like Facebook, um, kind of, they're a lot more strict in terms of like, Hey, you have to do X, Y, and Z in terms of shipping time, speed, deliverability, and people being happy with your thing, uh, with their purchase. So if you can nail the six, cause I basically like to say their algorithm has like six main points. It's like price point, deliverability, um, customer satisfaction, things of those sort. And if you can get all that, you can get into what's called the buy box. And that's the key for a lot of this. If you are, not if you're not doing your own product and there's other people on the listing that's when people start getting confused because they because normal sellers or buyers on amazon do not know that there's multiple sellers on a page right so they have no idea yeah. about that so they're just going in they're just clicking buy now and if they wanted to get to yours they'd have to hit view all go through scroll through and, and click you so the key is getting in the buy box and with that is staying way above it um getting everyone their stuff in a timely fashion and, and things of that sort Yeah. Uh, Nick, probably you have less experience with Amazon. Christy yes. Christy was no. very convincing, let's say. <laughs> yeah, no, my, um, my Amazon experience was around five years ago, so a lot of it doesn't apply now. But um, one thing that I know is working well right now for people is more so people from the Shopify end coming over to Amazon. They have an edge versus vice versa um, because they can take their buyer lists and drive traffic into their Amazon listings. And it's much more of a product game there. So uh, that's where effective sourcing is really going to come in hand. If you can source a, a better product at a lower price and then drive your email list, drive your text message traffic in there, you're going to rank much faster. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever tried uh, subscription businesses? I think it's becoming a trend. Uh, we have more and more clients who, who, who does it. And uh Yeah, um, just today we checked the Google Analytics of a few uh, subscription businesses and uh, we just uh, realized that actually analytics is not good for them because, uh, yeah, because of the data. We will need a different tool. Um, but, yeah, their, their, their uh, cash flow is, is great. I mean, the, the conversion is low, but since people stay there, it's pretty stable. Like, there are no big ups and downs, like... Yeah, I know some dropshippers and, and smaller brands, they have like 10 times, you know, better mounts than other mounts. But the subscription businesses, they, they are really stable. Like they have like maximum 50% ups and downs and that's it. Um, yeah, I don't know. Have you, have you tried this model or, 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 or not yet? Yeah, so I launched my first subscription business about four years ago. I ran a few seven-figure subscription companies, and I thought the most beautiful thing about it is the projected income, because you can actually build a company around that. 
Whereas yeah. if you're just dependent on the next cold scale or finding that next winning product, it's a lot harder to maintain an infrastructure, pay overhead, things like that. Um, but yeah, we ran digital and physical product uh, memberships for several years. We're still doing them now. Uh, we like to combine physical products with a digital membership. So okay. using physical products to get people into the door and then upselling them into a digital membership because there's such high margin. Yeah. Can you tell us an example? Yeah. Maybe yeah, just so one combination of, of this. Yeah. One thing that we're doing right now is since we have, uh, we're vertically integrated, obviously, with our fulfillment center. And we also have a print press business where we, um, we have DDG machines and and stuff like that. So what we can do is we can kind of offer someone like a free shirt there on the front, on the uh, back end of their sale and basically describe the membership or, or the subscription that they would be joining. And then like Nick's saying, we can play both sides of it. So we can get the digital and then you're also getting something. So here's a free shirt, try our membership for free for 30 days. If you don't like it, the free shirt's on us. And then from there, we would be billing you $9.99 a month, $29.99 a month. So we have different layers of it. And um, a lot of times, we will take that since the subscriptions, we will run, run the numbers and say, Hey, maybe not everyone that gets the free shirt joins the subscription, but we have X amount of people that do. And that makes it worth it because of the long-term um, longevity of these people. If, if they're paying us that, that price for the next year, then that's going to make a lot of sense for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Um, and uh, how about, how about these channels like TikTok, Snapchat, Pinterest? So let's say the uh, millennial or I don't know what's that called, but people who who were born in the last 15 years, th that kind of that kind of platforms. Have sure. you have you tried advertising there or, or or do you have any experience with those? Yes, so uh, we have some experience with all those platforms, not as much as the Facebook and Instagram side of things. Um, and for the most part, we're selling to an older audience that isn't uh, present on there as much. Yeah. Um, but we have one client um, who sells uh, shirts and wall decor to that space. And they actually ran a, about a $100,000 day at a 0.3% conversion rate off of Snapchat. So they wow. were able to scale at a 0.3%, which is yeah. uh, pretty insane. Yeah. Who is the audience there? Like young people, I guess. Uh, yeah, yeah, people under 25. Probably not the elderly. Yeah. Okay. Pretty interesting. So Snapchat works. Uh, now I know Snapchat works, TikTok as well. I know another seven figure stories with, uh, or, or story with TikTok and, uh, and with Pinterest as well. So all of these can work. Yeah. Um, yep. Okay. So um, do you want to share more about your fulfillment centers and, and, and how you structure it? Uh, to be honest, I'm not really into that topic because, I mean, I don't have experience with that because I'm a marketer. But uh, I think it's, uh, it's very important for e-commerce business owners. So if, if you feel that there is anything that you want to share with them and they they usually ignore that part, but they shouldn't, then just feel free to share that uh, here. Yeah, if there's sure. anything. Yes, yeah. so uh, one cool thing about our business is that it's a symbiotic relationship with our clients. So we're only making money when they're scaling. So when they're sourcing a lot of product and when they're shipping a lot of orders. So 
it puts us in a position where when we have someone interested, um, you know, we're going to have a phone call with them. We're going to see if they're a good fit. And it's more like a strategic partnership with them and their e-commerce business than them just sending their stuff over to a warehouse. So we're going to help them come up with new product lines. We're going to show them how we find winning products. Uh, we're going to help them source on behalf of our aggregate volume. So they're going to get pricing based on our entire portfolio. Um, that's then going to be shipped over to our warehouse here in Colorado, uh, where our fulfillment prices are coming in 20 to 30% under companies like Shipmonk, ShipBob, some of the bigger players in the space. Uh, additionally, we have print on demand, as Christy was saying. So um, our clients can be using our print on demand service in conjunction with the fulfillment center. So they want to combine jewelry with t-shirts or home decor with t-shirts. It's really easy to do and they're not going to need to have a shirt company go and ship their shirts to their fulfillment center. So that saves quite a bit of money. Additionally, yeah. help our customers with their client retention. So what most people don't realize is when your customer gets the order, that's one of the deepest impressions you're going to make with them. So if they open a package and it's a custom branded canvas bag, and they open it and it smells like coconuts in the beach and there's sand from the beach in their package. Okay, they're gonna remember you. And when they're buying their next beach product, they're gonna to go to your beach store. Uh, and that's something that we like to preach to people because we do that at no additional charge to our clients shipping with us. And it makes a lasting impact on their clients which can help set them apart from their competition. Yeah. What was the craziest request from a e-commerce business? Um, uh, Maybe not just coconut uh, flavor, but something else. <laughs> um, yeah, so we had um, one business that actually needed to source these hand-woven macrame. And um, it's an interesting product because it takes like a skilled artisan in order to make it. It's not something you can just print out of a machine. So uh, we ran into quite a bit of issues trying to get that sourced at first. We finally found a solution uh, we were getting it mass produced um, over in India and then the, so they had bamboo dowels on them and then their minister of forestry held it up at customs because there was a bamboo dowel. So I guess technically that's in his realm of control now. So we had to deal with Indian customs there in order to get that over. And it was a complicated process. <laughs> wow. Everything for the for the customers. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah, the one other thing that we like to, you know, just kind of say is that we're, we're kind of e-com guys that do fulfillment. It's a lot different than what most of the relationships are. And again, we can relate a lot to like what you just said there about, you know, you're like, I'm a marketer. A lot of people don't think about this side of the, the business. And that's kind of where me and me and Nick were at for a while there, too. We were just marketing. And we're like, all right, let's call the ship monk ship bobs they can they can do it all for us and, and basically what we found is prices are too high and they aren't e-com sellers so they can't exactly relate to us or give us any help like oh, one big way is like there's there's not really any fulfillment or supply chain centers that you can call up and say hey what do you think about my back end here what do you think about email sequences or we can be telling them hey maybe you should try some continuity or try sms bump or any of these other great, great assets out there that people could be using. Um, it just kind of sets us apart and gives people like the comfort to be like, hey, I can actually call my fulfillment center with something other than a complaint, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. You are on the same page and that's crucial. You've been there, you, you, you've done that, you, you've done that. So yeah, 
that's I think that's that's a big uh, differentiator. And you also have your mastermind, so uh, you you also mentor people, which is uh, I think you know that's really the the next level in this. Um, and I've, I've never uh, I never heard something like that from a fulfillment company or <laughs> manufacturer. There's nothing like that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, so we've been doing that for a while. This is actually our fourth one that we have here. So we have currently ones in other parts of the country as well that we're not as directly involved with as of right now, but we had ones before that we were involved with as, as well. So we had another one in Denver, and now we have this one right now. And basically, it's, it's just become an area for us to keep teaching people e-commerce, keep having that grow our bottom line. It can help, can help our fulfillment center. And, and the more sellers we know, the better. And, and that's, it's, it's been a really cool experience, especially because we both lived in the incubator and we know what type of value that can provide, what type of lifestyle that can provide. Uh, you know, it's, it's similar to living in, I guess, a frat house type of thing where you're like, all right, I need to get out eventually. Maybe one yeah. year is good in here because it's all business all the time. And then also, you know, the bonding experiences uh, with your roommates there as well. Yeah. 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 Sounds exciting. And yeah. Um, and uh, my last question. So if anyone wants to find you, uh, Nick and Christy, where they can find you? Actually, already a few people asked me to contact uh, with you. Uh, so I will do that. But if anyone wants to find you, then yeah, how they can reach out. Yes. Um, so our website is stacked. SCM as in supply chain management, uh, com. So stacked SCM.com. They can come there, uh, fill out the information form uh, and then we'll be in touch with them. Additionally, if you just want to, you know, forward them over to our email, to our messenger, um, we work on a very tight knit relationship basis. So if someone wants to get in touch with us, you know, we're going to just hop on a phone call with them. Yeah. I think, yeah. We also contacted our messenger and we still do that. So yeah, yeah. it's very casual. Um, I think it's it's great for most people. Keep it uh, casual. Um, yeah. So Nick uh, and Christy, thanks a lot for uh, joining us today, and thanks for everyone who who watched us. The podcast will also come out a few weeks from now, so you can listen to it there. We will put uh, all the links in the description, so everyone oh. can uh, go and and talk with you. Um, yeah, and stay tuned. Every Thursday, we are coming out with a new episode with some uh, interesting people in the industry, in e-commerce and, and online marketing. Um, yeah, thanks, everyone. Stay tuned. Thank you. Thank you so much. Hope you enjoyed this episode of the Ecom Show podcast. If you want to learn more about e-commerce, retention marketing, check out our Facebook group called top 3% e-commerce email marketing or check out our website thebudaimedia.com The show is brought to you by the team of Budai Media. See you in our next episode and don't forget our goal. Grow your e-commerce business together.